the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. One of the greater theologians we've had in the church was once asked what the greatest truth is that he knew. His answer was, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We could spend days, months, even years wrangling over various theological points and doctrinal issues, but at the end of the day, if we are to find a foundation for all of it, it's here in 1 John chapter 4. God is love. That's the subject of our series, and we invite you to join us as we continue looking at this amazing foundation of all that we know to be true of our Christian lives. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. This is how God showed, manifested His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we love God. He, we ought to love Him, but this is not love, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, God takes the initiative, God manifests, and that love is action. It's, you know, James and John warn, if you see a brother in need, don't say, be clothed, be fed. Uh, God bless you. We'll pray. Here's a favorite one. We'll be praying for you. Well, I might be starved to death by the time your prayer gets through. I was reminded of years ago when we were in the Family Life Center when a a woman showed up in our office and uh, had access then and got through Donna and came on back, Uh, happened to be a Latino woman. I believe she was, her mother was in Mexico or another Central American country. And her mother was uh, coming up to see daughter. And, and daughter had gone to the store. She wanted to buy groceries as either before or after. And she got there and somebody stole her purse. Uh, she's crying. She's very emotional about this whole thing. I want to entertain my mother and I can't. And she laid out the story. And I said, well, wait. And I, I went to the office. I said, we have an agape form request. I said, let's pray. While we're praying, the Lord says, you've got an agape fund. And and you don't need to fill out a request form. You. And so when we get to praying, I put this $100 bill in her hand. I said, will that help you buy enough to feed mama until we decide? Then we both cried. Because my brother has a favorite line. He says, Oh, the church will pay for it. He said, meet the church. I'm the church. Who's the church around here? Send it to Washington, D.C. Oh, the church will pay for it. You and I are the church. Summer night camp happened because you, the church, paid for it. 
We don't charge the kids. You, you're the church. You're the givers. And so here he says, hey, let us give like God, willing to manifest, willing to take that step, willing to make a sacrifice. God's love is sacrificial. You see, you can't do any more than God has done to love you. You can't. It's his best. Now, I think we need to distinguish some things about God's love. And let's just pick up three of them. God has been loving from eternity past. And it's his love among the Trinity. And I hope I gave you those verses that you can look up. There are many of them. uh, That if you read John, uh, let's see, 14 through 17, you'll keep hearing Jesus and the Father. Father, I love you. The Father, I love you. You hear the Father say in Matthew 3 when the Son's baptized and, and all of a sudden he comes up. This is my beloved Son. We don't appreciate the word beloved. It's King James English to us. Wait, but get the Greek tense. Beloved means the one's being present tense loved. If I tell you beloved, you are presently continuously being loved by me. Dearly beloved. One constantly being loved by me. And so in the Trinity, from eternity past, the Father, Son, and the Spirit have been loving one. They've never had an argument. They've never had a disagreement. Some have said, well, God created because he's lonely. God has never been lonely. God has always had a a one another relationship. See, it's why we base family, marriage, a family life, church life. uh, We base it on what the Trinity has modeled. You say, well, we can't get along. Well, you need to imitate your God. He knows how to get along from eternity. They've been loving one another. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. They prefer each other. They ascribe glory to each other. You see, and in eternity past, there was no grace nor mercy. Did you know that? There was no grace or mercy in the Trinity. You know why? Nobody needed it. They were getting everything they deserved. Praise. You only need mercy and grace when you're dealing with sinners. Because we blow it. But not in the Trinity. They just keep loving. And, and to me, I think of it often as microwave waves just going, going out there. And, and you know what God just says? I love the Son. And the Son says, I love the Father. And when He saves you, He puts you in the middle. If you'll read John 14 through 7, He puts us in the middle of this microwave love going back between the Father and the Son. And we're right in the middle. Someone said in the Psalms, we said, mercy and truth have met each other. They have kissed each other. And I love to say, justice and grace met at the cross. And in the middle of the kiss, a born-again sinner was born. Right there. They came together. I often think of my youngest daughter. She was magnetized anytime I was hugging on her mother, especially in the kitchen. 
I'd be hugging Carolyn, maybe a, a passionate kiss once a month. And so, but we, we would be embracing and like that. And it was like magnetism. Uh, Elizabeth, it seemed like, would come from any, and, and it was just habitual. And I'd feel her pulling my pant leg, and i who is this? And, oh, little precious Elizabeth. Be, because she wanted always between Carol and I, she'd just get in there and, and said, go ahead, you can hug mama. I just want to be in the middle. Guess what? You are in the middle of the love between the father and the son. He's got you right in that inner circle. Matter of fact, it's both of their hands holding you. I said both of their hands. One's enough. One can hold up the Milky Way. You think it could hold you up? In a shouting church, you'd be shouting. Yeah. In a shouting church. God loves his creation. Look at Psalms 145. Psalms 145. How God, it's often in theology called God's providential care for all that he's created. In love, he takes care of creation. Uh, Listen to what it says. We'll pick up verse 14. 145 verse 14. The Lord upholds all who fall. That is an amazing verse. And lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. There are Psalms and we have verses where it says he feeds the young lions. He just, he takes care of them that way. I will give you the verse here. And it goes on to say, You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And he oversees the universe. He says in Daniel, I set up governors, I set up kings, I bring them down. Brute creation, Psalms 104, verse 21, he feeds the young lions. He's over nations. He said, I determine your life and your death. He says in Matthew 6, I beautify, I beautify the lily of the field. Uh, I make the grass grow. Uh, I sustain the universe. In Colossians 1, he said, I hold everything together. So God, in loving care, is orchestrating his influence, his power over all created matter. I mean, he supplies food. He supplies care. It's, It's all God. So he's loving among himself, loving creation. And then... God loves the world. God loves the world. And when you say world in the book of John, world means uh, not bigness, but badness. Badness. Uh, The world shall hate you, John 16. 
The world is seen as the enemy of God. It represents humanity in its hostility toward God. And God said, I've so loved the world, the world of my enemies, of hostile sinners who have fled from me all the way back to Eden. I have so loved them that I've given up my one and only son to save them. And all I ask them to do is to believe on me, to believe that I am. This is the message we have for a lost world, that all is not lost. God is loving you. It is an amazing thing to go tell the enemies of God, God loves you. There are such people as hyper-Calvinists, and I've known some of them, that says you can never tell a sinner God loves them. Well, John told them that he did. He so loved the world. First John said, he is not only the propitiation for us, but who else? I can't hear you. The world. I can't unpackage it to make sense. How can you do that much for the world and anybody perish? It seems like the cross would be enough. And yet he says, I demand that you respond to my love in faith. I demand that you receive me. I will not force myself on you. A man will go to hell knowing God has loved him. He will never be able to say, I was not loved. But he will have to say, but I refuse not to receive it. In my stubbornness, I chose not to receive it. But God has gone on record of saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you at my best. Do not think that the God who warns of hell did not make every effort he could to keep you from going there. I give my son in your place for the crimes you've committed. I will bear the punishment due you. The only way I can make an enemy into a child of mine is somebody must pay the penalty. I will love you enough. I'll sacrifice myself to make it happen. There's no greater love than a man lay down his life for his friends John 15. But what about when you lay down your life for your enemies? When he went to the cross, we weren't friends. We were hateful, opposed to God. J.I. Packer asked some questions at the end of his chapter on loving God and knowing God that are searching. He asked these questions. If God loves as much as he says he has loved us, and has displayed this love in Jesus Christ, why do I grumble? Why do I show discontent and resentment at the circumstances in which he's placed me? Why am I grumbling about what he's doing in my life? Was not the cross enough to prove him? For you hear people, I don't know if God loves me. I don't know if God loves me. You mean the cross was not enough? The cross is forever It's forever to even a world that will respond or reject. 
He goes on record. This is where I loved you. I was sincere. I sacrificed my son. Don't tell me I've not loved you. Even if you don't want me. Even if you want to be separated from me for eternity. I have loved you in time. Outside the city limits of Jerusalem. My son was slain like an animal. I did my best to reach you. I did my best to atone for you. That's the gospel. The good news is God was not willing to do nothing about me perishing. So he said, I'll pay what you can't pay, and I'll ask you to do what you alone can do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll save you. Believe on me. He goes on to ask, Why am I ever distrustful, fearful, or depressed? Why do I allow myself to grow cool, formal, half-hearted in the service of God who loves me so? Why do I ever allow my loyalties to be divided so that God does not have all my heart? John is writing in the midst of an ethical problem. Why? Do we Christians sometimes act so unloving toward one another? You've never heard of a church fight? I've heard of them. I've been at some of them. Could an observer learn from the quality and degree of love demonstrated in your life that you demonstrate toward your wife Toward your husband, toward your family, toward your neighbors, at church, at work, could they discern anything about the greatness of God's love observing you? Or, or is there this picture? You right wing Christians are always mad about something. You're mad. You're right. You're mad. You're right. We're ungodly. We don't win people to Christ. When's the last time you've been able to talk anyone to come to the church you go to? They may not want to come because if it's made you like you are, they may not want to be here. It's true. When people first get saved, that's when they get the most people to come to church. After you've been saved, as long as most of you, you probably don't invite anyone once a month to come to church because you're set in your ways and they already know what you are and they're maybe not attracted. But I know when you first get saved, you can't keep quiet. You're excited. You don't have a lot of wisdom, but you've got a lot of zeal. And you know you've been loved. You know you've been forgiven. I think of uh, Dino and Adriana. They, they bring more people here to this church than anyone else. And he's been the meanest hombre in this church. And God saved him. Turned him upside down. Had a wife in Adriana. I'm going to fight for you on my knees. I'm going to fight for you in evangel. I'm not giving up on you, Dino. I'm not giving up. I want to keep loving you. I want to keep forgiving you. I'm going to keep praying God will save you if he has to nearly kill you. And he did nearly kill him. But he's here. He's here. And they're always bringing people. Come and meet a God that loved us at our worst. Do you believe this gospel? Do you share this gospel? We ought to grow so we have three services, four services, because there's so many held 
destined sinners that need to find out God loves them and they could be forgiven and they could become a child of God. The love of God is a love that I desire your good so much. I know that the middle person of the Trinity must be slain in order to make you my own. And I make the choice to do it. And my son, rather than being raped, as some have said, some have called it child abuse for the son to go to the cross, the son said, I'm not being abused, Father. I help make the plan. I submit. I'll go. It will be worth it if we can get one to heaven. And did you know, I'll just stop right here. This God that some say have not, has no emotion, did you know that according to Luke 15, he's a party animal. He throws a party every time somebody gets saved in the world. He's not an animal. Sorry for that. He's a partying God. He threw a party the day you received his son. They had a party in heaven. Because this is a dancing God. This is, I rejoice that you know me. Do you know Christ? Has he changed your temperament? Has he changed your home? Doug Oldham used to sing a song. I'm not the man I used to be. And he tells the story that he pulls up to his house. And he goes in. But I'm not the man I used to be. My kids didn't run away this time. My wife wasn't scared that I was home. And he goes on to all these family dynamics. He said, that's all changed because I'm not the man I used to be. Has Jesus made a difference in your marriage, in your home? Does anyone on your block say, the love of God in you makes me want to know Christ? I don't want to hear another argument. I just want you to show me how God loves. If God can love me that way, will it ever come through you? And that's our challenge, to walk in the Spirit so love is on display. It's the only way selfish, self-centered, conceited sinners can never get this love out. Because we were born grasping. We were born self-centered. We were born all about us. And the love of God breaks that crust and begins to pour us into a new image. This is the love of God. We'll pick it up next week. Our Father... I pray for anyone here that may not know Jesus. They may not know they're loved. They come from an abusive home or uh, a life of uh, pain and dysfunction. They've never known that anybody would die for them. Everybody they've known wants to hurt them. But you, Father... The God who's outloved all gods. The Greek gods were dirty. They were vulgar. They were moody. They were mad. But you are the God that every morning there's new mercies. Every morning I sense his compassion. Jeremiah says, I looked through the city and ravished. Children killed. People being slaughtered in the invasion of Assyria and Babylon. But every morning, I see the evidence. God is merciful. 
And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the program encourages you in Christ and how this program is being used by you on a daily basis. Are we just a normal part of your radio listening? Do you tap into our resources available at our website? Have you visited our church? These are things we would love to hear from you. Take a moment, call or write to us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Take advantage of the resource materials I mentioned a moment ago. We have several. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also find information about Valley Bible Church right there as well, who we are, what we believe, worship times, services, and directions to the church. We'd love to have you join us, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. If you're writing to us, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And then, as we conclude our time together today, we would also invite you to partner with us. This radio broadcast and the many resources that accompany it are available as you partner with us, as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large, and you can do a one-time gift or make monthly pledges. No matter, we'd love to have you be a partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the Bay Area and beyond. So contact us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. And you can also donate online at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.